Oh, oh, I see. Just Thursdays. Yeah, sure. I'm with it, Jade Dragon. Happy Harry Potter Day. Happy Thursday, Harry Potter Day. Acidic Rain Man says, switching to Mixer today. Woo, woo. I don't know about the random singing for today. Yeah, random singing is going to be tough perhaps today. Every Thursday is Harry Day. <clears throat> I've been trying to take care of my throat. I've been trying to, um, you know, do my do my best to get good rest, everything like that. But I still sound like this. I still got a, a nighttime cough. That's really the the worst of it. I don't have many other symptoms. Like I had a headache for a little bit, but over the past couple of days, it's just been a rough voice and a night cough. A night cough which is not nearly as cool as it sounds. It is not one of the X-Men. Uh, in fact, it is <laughs> it is one of the things making me feel like I am formerly, I'm an X-Man, I'm formerly human. Formerly human, Sam. But I feel good, um, even though today's stream is gonna be, boy, a little a little weird on the voice side. That, that you know, that uh, that cold is still going around the girls' dormitory, that's for sure. Rut row. Jade Dragon says, yep, every Thursday is a mini holiday. I look forward to Harry all week. I do too, actually. <laughs> um, and I look forward to it much more now that I've actually got like a pretty stable setup. Don't know if you all have noticed, but, um, you know, there have been, there's been some stuff. There's been some stuff going on with the channel over the past few months, but, and I'm making this announcement right now. Very exciting. I don't know I don't know how permanent it's going to be. We are going to work with YouTube as YouTube will work with us. But as of later tonight, all of the Harry Potter, oh boy, all the Harry Potter videos are going to be back up on YouTube. So all the old catalog. And then um, <clears throat> as I've maybe mentioned before, but I don't know if I've made it super clear, um, I am going to be continuing to upload to YouTube. And uh, so you're going to be able to find the back episodes there. It is going to be on a two-week delay. I just need to make sure that, you know, as as YouTube stuff goes up, I need to be able to make sure that I'm not going to get, you know, taken down again. So it's going to be on a delay on YouTube. Um, but during that two weeks, you can find it immediately on Mixer. So if you uh, if you log into Mixer, and like I said, I've made some, some setting improvements, so y'all should have a much easier time joining in now. Um, the the uh yeah the classic sam liberty grace says yay all the classic sam yep classic sam's gonna be back on youtube and uh the new stuff will continue to be on youtube on a two-week delay but during those two weeks um definitely go check out mixer because i'm having a lot of fun with it already and there's some new stuff that i want to get into in the future i would love to have have uh like i i know some pretty talented people so i would love to have some guest voices on um so i am i'm excited but uh, feel free to jump into Mixer and uh, find those videos during the two weeks before they end up on YouTube, and then after that, they will be on YouTube. But who else is stoked for tonight? I'm stoked. I'm stoked. It's me. I'm stoked. Even though my voice is wonky, that's all right. It's not as bad as it was before. Some of you who caught the, uh, as you may know, I had to totally cancel the Frankenstein stream this week. I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to do a, a, a pretty wonky Disco Elysium stream, um, and then tomorrow we're back to a uh, wild card. Um, so yeah, for for any of you who are who are paying attention to the new schedule, um, no stream Friday. Uh, excuse me, no stream Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Weekends and Mondays are. Uh, gonna be days off but um 
I'm going to be streaming on Tuesdays, our Vintage Sidecar, Wednesdays, our um, gaming stuff, and this is all in the morning. Um, Thursday is going to continue to be this, as per usual, and then Friday is going to be another morning stream, but it's going to be wild card. Right now, I am working on putting together some some uh let's see i mean some some interesting stuff I'm, i want to do more screenplay content here and so i am going to be uh building out my my scenes for that and i want to do a full kind of radio play style thing that will also eventually land on a friday so today as people start filtering in welcome welcome thank you for joining us i am uh, i'm gonna start in with our review huh general congrats But starting with our review, um, and then we will uh, we will get started with our chapter for tonight. Now tonight is chapter twenty six. Chapter twenty six, seen and unforeseen. But before we get into that, what did we find out last week? Well. Uh, toward the end, we had a very interesting discussion with an old face, someone we recognize, but let's back up a little further. So we started with, um, the, the chapter is titled The Beetle at Bay, and uh, we start off with very bad news. There has been a mass escape from Azkaban. A bunch of Death Eaters are off, uh, they, they are off out in the world. This is no good. No goo. Mass breakout from Azkaban. Ministry fears black is rallying point for old Death Eaters. So, Sirius Black once again being blamed for uh, something that he's not, uh, you know, not not involved in. Being blamed for uh, for some of these these escapes and and perhaps that he is a leader of these newly escaped Death Eaters. Um, of course, Hermione points out that this is perhaps part of. The ministry's feeling that they can't really admit to what's going on because they're so dug in already with this idea that, no, Voldemort's not back. It must be somebody else helping all these Death Eaters escape and getting them organized. Must be Sirius Black. It ain't so much, though. Now, we find out also that um, Mr. Bode, Mr. Bode... He was in St. Mungo's, and it turns out that the gift that we actually, you know, Harry, Ron, Hermione, they actually saw the gift arrive. It was a plant. It turns out it was Devil's Snare, and it strangled him over the course of the weekend. Um, so, something very strange going on there. Uh, Ron says, you know, oh, it must have been a real idiot to pick that out. But Hermione says, mm, you wouldn't be able to pot a plant like that and not know what it was. She thinks it might have been an assassination. So, let's see. What else? What else do we find out? Y'all feel free to jump in, by the way. Um, we've also got, by order of the High Inquisitor of Hogwarts, teachers are hereby banned from giving students information that is not strictly related to the subject they are paid to teach. Um, now, of course, uh, some people take advantage of this. Uh, Lee Jordan tries to tell Professor Umbridge that she can't say anything about um, Fred and George playing Exploding Snap in the back of class because it's not related to her subject. She doesn't take too kindly to that, and uh, he ends up doing lines in the same way that Harry does. What else? <laughs> uh, Hagrid has forbidden them from visiting him. 
especially after dark, because it's not good for them to be seen together. Hagrid doesn't want to make things worse for Harry than they already are. They have another discussion about Snape and how trustworthy is he really. Um, but our big, our big event for this this uh, this episode, rather last episode, Cho and Harry go on a date in Hogsmeade, and it goes so poorly, so poorly. It goes terribly for these two. Um, a lot of it is by accident. You know, a lot of it is just bad timing and and uh, not knowing the right thing to say. But some of it is just, hmm. I guess I'll call it, you know, like teenage inexperience and and uh, and that. But there's also, you know, a real lack of understanding on Harry's part of how to treat other people. Now we've talked about this in the past. Again, I think people have to be responsible for their actions. But he grew up most of his life underneath a a staircase, so it's not surprising, at least to me that Harry has a very difficult time relating to other people. The date goes terribly. They go to a little tea shop, they have some some chit-chat about Quidditch, but overall, um, Cedric comes up again. Uh, Harry mentions that uh, he's going to be going to meet Hermione, he's going to meet Hermione later on in the day. She doesn't take this well, and she actually starts to try to kind of, you know, point out like, oh, he asked me out. I think it's Roger Davies. Yeah, Roger Davies asked me out, uh, but I said no. Instead, I wanted to be with you. Um, Harry's not sure why she would bring that up. We'll find out later. Don't worry. Hermione explains all. <laughs> I guess you could call you could call most of these books that, couldn't you? Harry Potter and the friend that explains everything. I'm doing well, Tawny. I hope you're doing well as, as well. Well, well, well. <laughs> Y'all are going to be getting a lot of those moments where the sound suddenly cuts out very slightly. Um, it's because I'm coughing. Because I'm still I'm still a little, a little stopped up there. Um, okay, eventually the conversation between Harry and Cho ends with um, Cho crying. <sighs> Harry is saying all the wrong things about Hermione Granger and about, you know, whether or not they should ever, you know, they, they should really discuss what happened uh, with Cedric. And he's very confused throughout all of it. Um, but it ends poorly. She runs off in a huff. Uh, and, uh, well, and not in a huff, just in a very bad mood. Understandably so. She was talking about some, some difficult stuff there. Um, Harry has a very brief meeting with Hagrid in which Hagrid continues to have fresh wounds. These can't be from his trip, so where are they from? Very confusing. We're, we're in the middle of a lot of stuff here. Um, but finally, at the end of this chapter, we, we have our meeting with our unexpected individual, and it is Rita Skeeter, the former journalist. Um, not only is Rita Skeeter there with Hermione, that's a pretty unlikely pair, but another unlikely person in this trio, Luna Lovegood. Now, what could the three of them want together? So, Hermione has gathered them here. What she has found is a journalist to tell Harry's story, even if Hermione has to coerce this journalist into telling the story, and someone who will publish that journalist's work. This is Luna Lovegood's father, Xenophilius Lovegood, the editor, publisher, I think, just editor, I think, was the, the title that she gives, um, but the owner of The Quibbler. 
Now, The Quibbler is not a highly regarded magazine. Um, we would probably call it, like, in the in the UK, I'm, I think it's somewhat akin to, like, the Sun Times um, in here in the US, like something like People Magazine or even something weirder, like National Enquirer or something. But the, the ones that you expect to print some absolute nonsense. We've seen it in the past. We've seen what kind of stuff the, the Quibbler prints. You know, in, in real life, they, you know, it would be stuff like... Um, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking, like, uh, spotted on the beach in uh, south of France. He's not really passed. Um, in the Wizarding World, the Quibbler prints things like Sirius Black. Is he really the lead singer of a very popular Wizarding band? I think we, we saw that at one point. But not a very trusted uh, magazine. So, <sighs> Rita Skeeter, already angry with Hermione, because if we remember, Hermione... <laughs> was uh, responsible for the end of her, her journalistic career for a little while. Um, Adept Galaxy, welcome to Mixer. How's it going? Um, the <laughs> Michelle says, Elvis, working at KFC. That's an even better one than I came up with. Well done. Do you want mashed potatoes with that? Can I get you an extra biscuit? Luke, I don't think Luke is here yet tonight, but uh, he told me to try for that that Elvis voice. I'm going to have to work on that one. But uh, at the end of the day, Hermione wants a very disgruntled Rita Skeeter to write Harry's side of the story about Voldemort, and she wants the Quibbler to print it. And that's where we're at. So, without further ado, because I recognize I went into a pretty in-depth review this time, let's get into the chapter, shall we? For anybody just showing up, my name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories, and as always, everyone, please feel free to uh, put any discussion stuff into chat. I would love to talk about it at chapter breaks or after the chapter, uh, whenever we get the chance. So, let's do this. Chapter 26. Scene and unforeseen. Luna said vaguely that she did not know how soon Rita's interview with Harry would appear in the Quibbler, but her father was expecting a lovely long article on recent sightings of crumple-horned snorkaks. And of course, that'll be a very important story, so Harry's might have to wait for the following issue, said Luna. Harry had not found it easy to talk about the night when Voldemort had returned. Rita had pressed him for every little detail that he could give, and he had given her everything he could remember, knowing that this was his one big opportunity to tell the world the truth. He wondered how people would react to the story. He guessed that it would confirm a lot of people in the view that he was completely insane, not least because his story would be appearing alongside utter rubbish about crumple-horned snorkaks. But the breakout of Bellatrix Lestrange and her fellow Death Eaters had given Harry a burning desire to do something— whether or not it worked. "'I can't wait to see what Umbridge thinks of you go in public,' said Dean, sounding awestruck at dinner on Monday night. Seamus was shoveling down large amounts of chicken and ham pie on Dean's other side, but Harry knew he was listening. "'It's the right thing to do, Harry,' said Neville, who was sitting opposite him. He was rather pale, but he went on in a low voice. "'It must have been tough talking about it, was it?' Yeah, mumbled Harry, but people have got to know what Voldemort is capable of, haven't they? That's right, said Neville, nodding. 
and there's Death Eaters too. People should know. Neville left his sentence hanging and returned to his baked potato. Seamus looked up, but when he caught Harry's eye, he looked quickly back to his plate again. After a while, Dean, Seamus, and Neville parted for the common room, leaving Harry and Hermione at the table waiting for Ron, who had not yet had dinner yet because of Quidditch practice. Cho Chang walked into the hall with her friend Marietta. Harry's stomach gave an unpleasant lurch, but she did not look over at the Gryffindor table and sat down with her back to him. Oh, I forgot to ask you, said Hermione brightly, and with a terribly hoarse voice, glancing over at the Ravenclaw table. What happened to your date with Cho? How come you were back so early? Oh, good grief. I sound like I sound like uh, Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap. Uh, well, it was, said Harry, pulling a dish of rhubarb crumble toward him and helping himself to seconds. A complete fiasco, now that you mention it. And he told her what had happened in Madame Puttifoot's tea shop. So then, he finished several minutes later, as the final bit of crumble disappeared. She jumps up, right, and she says, I'll see you around, Harry, and runs out of the place. He put down his spoon and looked at Hermione. I mean, what was that all about? What's going on? Hermione glanced over at the back of Cho's head and sighed. Oh, Harry, she said sadly. Well, I'm sorry, but you were a bit tactless. Me? Tactless? said Harry, outraged. <laughs> there you go. One minute we were getting on fine. Next she was telling me that Roger Davies asked her out and how she used to... Go and snog Cedric in that stupid tea shop. How was I supposed to feel about that? Well, you see, said Hermione, with a patient air of someone explaining that one plus one equals two to an over-emotional toddler, you shouldn't have told her that you wanted to meet me halfway through your date. But, 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 spluttered Harry, but you told me to meet you at twelve and to bring her along, but how was I supposed to do that without telling her? You should have told her differently, said Hermione, still with that maddeningly patient air. You should have said that it was really annoying, but I'd made a promise to come along to the three broomsticks, and you really didn't want to go. You'd much rather spend the whole day with her, but unfortunately you thought you really ought to meet me, and would she please, please come along with you, and hopefully you'd be able to get away more quickly. And it might have been a good idea to mention how ugly you think I am too, Hermione added as an afterthought. But I don't think you're ugly, said Harry, bemused. Hermione laughed. Harry, you're worse than Ron. Mm, well, no, you're not, she sighed, as Ron himself came stumping into the hall, splattered with mud and looking grumpy. Look, you upset Cho when you said that you were going to meet me, so she thought she might try to make you jealous. It was her way of trying to find out how much you liked her. Is that what she was doing? said Harry, as Ron dropped onto the bench opposite them and pulled every dish within reach toward him. Well, wouldn't it have been easier if she just asked me whether I liked her better than you? Girls don't, girls don't often ask questions like that, said Hermione. Well, they should, said Harry forcefully. Then I could have told her that I fancy her and she wouldn't have had to get herself all worked up about Cedric dying again. I'm not saying that what she did was sensible, said Hermione, as Ginny joined them, just as muddy as Ron, and looking equally disgruntled. 
Just trying to make you see how she was feeling at the time. You should write a book, Ron told Hermione as he cut up his potatoes. Potatoes? <laughs> Translating mad things that girls do so that boys could understand them. Yeah, said Harry fervently, looking over at the Ravenclaw table. Cho had just got up, and still not looking at him, she left the Great Hall. Feeling rather depressed, he looked back at Ron and Ginny. So, how was Quidditch practice? It was a nightmare, said Ron in a surly voice. Oh, come on, said Hermione, looking at Ginny. I'm sure it wasn't that... Yes, it was, said Ginny. It was appalling. Angelina was nearly in tears by the end of it. Ron and Ginny went off for baths after dinner. Harry and Hermione returned to the busy Gryffindor common room and their usual pile of homework. Harry had been struggling with a new star chart for astronomy for half an hour when Fred and George turned up. Uh, Ron and Ginny not here? asked Fred, looking as though he had... Oh, looking around as he pulled up a chair. And when Harry shook his head, he said, Good. We were watching their practice. They're going to be slaughtered. They're complete rubbish without us. Oh, come on, Jenny's not bad, said George fairly, sitting down next to Fred. Actually, I don't know how she got so good, seeing as we never let her play with us. She's been breaking into your broom shed in the garden since the age of six and taking each of your brooms out in turn when you weren't looking, said Hermione from behind her tottering pile of ancient rune books. Oh, said George, looking mildly impressed. Well, that'd explain it. Has Ron, Ron saved a goal yet? asked Hermione, peering over the top of magical hieroglyphs and logograms. Well... He can do it if he doesn't think anyone's watching him, said Fred, rolling his eyes. So all we have to do is ask the crowd to all turn their backs and talk amongst themselves every time the quaffle goes up. Hmm. At least that's what we'll have to do on Saturday. He got up again and moved restlessly to the window, staring out over the dark grounds. You know, Quidditch was about the only thing in this place worth staying for. Hermione cast him a stern look. You've got exams coming. I told you already we're not fussed about newts, said Fred. The snack boxes are ready to roll. Found out how to get rid of those boils, just a couple of drops of mertlap essence sorts them. Lee put us onto it. George yawned widely and looked out disconsolately at the cloudy night sky. I don't know if I even want to watch this match. If Zachariah Smith beats us, I might have to kill myself. Kill him, more like, said Fred firmly. That's the trouble with Quidditch, said Hermione absentmindedly, once again bent over her runes translation. It creates all this bad feeling and tension between the houses. She looked up to find her copy of Spellman's syllabary, and caught Fred, George, and Harry all staring at her with expressions of mingled disgust and incredulity on their faces. "'Well, it does,' she said impatiently. "'It's only a game, isn't it?' "'Hermione,' said Harry, shaking his head. "'You're good on feelings and stuff, but you just don't understand about Quidditch.' "'Maybe not,' she said darkly, turning to her translation.' 
But at least my happiness isn't dependent on Ron's goalkeeping ability. And though Harry would rather have jumped off the astronomy tower than admit it to her, by the time he had watched the game the following Saturday, he would have given any number of galleons not to care about Quidditch either. All right, chatter break. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to see, I want to hear a vote from chat. Uh, who goofs it up the worst between Harry and Ron? We've seen a lot of goofs here today. We've seen a lot of goofs. Uh, between the two of them, which, which one of them is goofing the hardest on this right now? I'm seeing both. I'm seeing Liberty Grace says Harry. Rain Man says Ron by far. Ron, no question. Hermione. <laughs> All right, we're back into it. The very best thing you could say about the match was that it was short. The Gryffindor spectators only had to endure 22 minutes of agony. It was hard to say what the worst thing was. Harry thought it was a close-run contest between Ron's 14th failed save, Sloper missing the bludger but hitting Angelina in the mouth with his bat, and Kirk shrieking and falling backwards off his broom when Zacharias Smith zoomed at him carrying the quaffle. The miracle was that Gryffindor only lost by 10 points. Ginny managed to catch the snitch from right under Hufflepuff seeker Summerbee's nose, so that the final score was 240 versus 230. Good catch, Harry told Ginny back in the common room, where the atmosphere resembled that of a particularly dismal funeral. I was lucky, she shrugged. Wasn't a very fast snitch, and Summerbee's got a cold. He sneezed and closed his eyes at exactly the wrong moment. Anyway, once you're back on the team... Jenny, I've got a lifelong ban. You're banned as long as Umbridge is still at school. Jenny corrected him. There's a difference. Anyway, once you're back, I think I'll try out for Chaser. Angelina and Alicia are both leaving next year and I prefer goal scoring to seeking anyway. Harry looked over at Ron, who was hunched in a corner, staring at his knees, a bottle of butterbeer clutched in his hand. Angelina still won't let him resign, Ginny said, as though reading Harry's mind. She says she knows he's got it in him. Harry liked Angelina for the faith she was showing in Ron, but at the same time he thought it really would be kinder to let him leave the team. Ron had left the pitch to another booming chorus of Weasley is our king, sung with great gusto by the Slytherins, who were now favorites to win the Quidditch Cup. Fred and George wandered over. I haven't even got the heart to take the mickey out of him, said Fred, looking over at Ron's crumpled figure. Mind you, when he missed the fourteenth, he made wild motions with his arms as though doing an upright doggy paddle. Well, I'll save it for the parties, eh? Ron dragged himself up to bed shortly after this. Out of respect for his feelings, Harry waited a while before going up to the dormitory himself so that Ron could pretend to be asleep if he wanted to. Sure enough, when Harry finally entered the room, Ron was snoring a little too loudly to be entirely plausible. Harry got into bed, thinking about the match. It had been immensely frustrating watching from the sidelines. He was quite impressed by Ginny's performance, but he knew that if he had been playing, he could have caught the snitch sooner. There had been a moment when it had been fluttering near Kirk's ankle. If Ginny hasn't headed... 
If Ginny hadn't hesitated, she might have been able to scrape a win for Gryffindor. Umbridge had been sitting a few rows behind Harry and Hermione. Oh, excuse me, a few, few rows below. Here we go. The mumble mouth is starting on. Brum, brum. Once or twice, she had turned squatly in her seat to look at him, her wide toad's mouth. Stretched in what he thought might have been a gloating smile. The memory of it made him feel hot with anger as he lay there in the dark. After a few minutes, however, he remembered he was supposed to be emptying his mind of all emotion as he slept, as Snape kept instructing him at the end of every occlumency lesson. He tried for a moment or two, but the thought of Snape on top of memories of Umbridge merely increased his sense of grumbling resentment, and he found himself focusing instead on how much he loathed the pair of them. Slowly, Ron's snores died away, to be replaced by the sound of deep, slow breathing. It took Harry much longer to get to sleep. His body was tired, but it took his brain a long time to close down. He dreamed that Neville and Professor Sprout were waltzing around the Room of Requirement, while Professor McGonagall played the bagpipes. He watched them happily for a while, then decided to go find the other members of the DAA. But when he left the room, he found himself facing not the tapestry of Barnabas the Barmy, but a torch burning in its bracket on a stone wall. He turned his head slowly to the left. There, at the far end of the windowless passage, was a plain black door. He walked toward it with a sense of mounting excitement. He had the strangest feeling that this time he was going to get lucky at last and find a way to open it. He was feet from it and saw with a leap of excitement that there was a glowing strip of faint blue light down the right-hand side. The door was ajar. He stretched out his hand to push it wide and... Ron gave a loud, rasping, genuine snore, and Harry awoke abruptly with his right hand stretched in front of him in the darkness to open a door that was hundreds of miles away. He let it fall with a feeling of mingled disappointment and guilt. He knew he should not have seen the door, but at the same time felt so consumed with curiosity about what was... What it was hidden behind that door, he could not help feeling annoyed with Ron. If only he could have saved his snore for just another minute. They entered the Great Hall for breakfast at the exact same time as the post owls on Monday morning. Hermione was not the only person eagerly awaiting her daily profit. Nearly everyone was eager for more news about the escaped Death Eaters, who, despite many reported sightings, had still not yet been caught. She gave the delivery owl a bronze nut and unfolded the newspaper eagerly while Harry helped himself to orange juice. As he had only received one note during the entire year, he was sure, when the first owl landed with a thud in front of him, that it had made a mistake. Who were you after? he asked it, languidly removing the orange juice from underneath its beak and leaning forward to see the recipient's name and address. Harry Potter, Great Hall, Hogwarts School. Frowning, he made to take the letter from the owl, but before he could do so, 
three, four, five more owls had fluttered down beside it and were jockeying for position, treading in the butter and knocking over the salt as each one attempted to give them as each one attempted to give him their letter first. Just a second. Clover's losing her little cat mind because she can't get out of the room. I'll be right back. Wow, wow. If I don't let her out immediately, she gets grumpy. Which is fine, except uh, when she does that in the middle of the night. All right. What's going on? Ron said in amazement as the whole of the Gryffindor table leaned forward to watch as another seven owls landed among the first, screeching, hooting, and flapping their wings. Harry, said Hermione breathlessly, <laughs> breathlessly and terribly hoarsely, plunging her hands into the feathery mass and pulling out a screech owl bearing a long cylindrical package. I think I know what this means. Open this one first. Harry ripped off the brown packaging. Out rolled a tightly furled copy of the March edition of the Quibbler. He unrolled it to see his own face grinning sheepishly at him from the front cover. In large red letters across the picture were the words, Speaks out at last the truth about he who must not be named in the night that I saw him return. It's good, isn't it? said Luna, who had drifted over to the Gryffindor table and now squeezed herself onto the bench between Fred and Ron. It came out yesterday. I asked Dad to send you a free copy. I expect all these. She waved a hand at the assembled owls still scrabbling around on the table in front of Harry. Are letters from readers? That's what I thought, said Hermione eagerly. Harry, do you mind if we... Help yourself, said Harry, looking slightly bemused. Oh, feeling slightly bemused. Ron and Hermione both started ripping open packages. This one's from a bloke who thinks you're off his rocker. <laughs> Dang it. This one's from a bloke who thinks you're off your rocker, said Ron, glancing down his letter. Oh, well. This woman recommends that you try a good course of shock spells at St. Mungo's, said Hermione, looking disappointed and crumpling up a second. This one looks okay, though, said Harry slowly scanning a long letter from a witch in Paisley. Hey, she says that she believes me. This one's of two minds, said Fred, who had joined in the letter opening with enthusiasm. She says you don't come across as a mad person, but really doesn't want to believe you know who's back, so she doesn't know what to think now. Blimey, what a waste of parchment. Here's another one that you've convinced Harry, said Hermione excitedly. Having read your side of the story, I'm forced to the conclusion that the Daily Prophet has treated you unfairly. Little though I want to think that he who must not be named is returned, I'm forced to accept that you are telling the truth. Oh, this is wonderful. Here's another one who thinks that you're barking, said Ron, throwing a crumpled letter over his shoulder. But this one says you've got her converted. He thinks you're now a real hero. She's put in a photograph, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> what is going on here? said a falsely sweet girlish voice. And for you Discord people, I'm putting that in a heavy finger quotes. The umbrage is going to be good today with my voice like this. Harry looked up with his hands full of envelopes. 
Professor Umbridge was standing behind Fred and Luna, her bulging toad's eyes scanning the mess of owls and letters in the front of Harry. Behind her, he saw many of the students watching them avidly. "'Why have you got all of these letters, Mr. Potter?' she asked slowly. "'Is that a crime now?' said Fred loudly. "'Getting mail?' "'Be careful, Mr. Weasley, or I shall have to put you in detention,' said Umbridge. "'Well, Mr. Potter?' Harry hesitated, but he didn't see how he could keep what was done quiet. It was surely only a matter of time before a copy of the Quibbler came to Umbridge's attention. "'People have written to me because I gave an interview,' said Harry, "'about what happened to me last June.' For some reason, he glanced up at the staff table as he said this. Harry had the strangest feeling that Dumbledore had been watching him a second before, but when he looked toward the, set, the headmaster, it seemed he was absorbed in conversation with Professor Flitwick. "'An interview,' repeated Umbridge, her voice thinner and higher than ever. "'What do you mean?' I mean, a reporter asked me questions, and I answered them, said Harry. Here. And he threw the copy of the quibbler at her. She caught it and turned down the cover. Her face, pale and doughy, turned an ugly, patchy violet. When did you do this? She asked, her voice trembling slightly. Last Hogsmeade weekend, said Harry. She looked up at him, incandescent with rage, the magazine shaking in her stubby fingers. "'There will be no more Hogsmeade trips for you, Mr. Potter,' she whispered. "'How you dare! How you could!' She took a deep breath. "'I have tried again and again to teach you not to tell lies. This message apparently still has not sunk in.' Fifty points from Gryffindor and another week's worth of detentions. She walked away, clutching the quibbler to her chest, the eyes of many students following her. All right, chatter break. Here's the question. <laughs> if this is your only opportunity for news, now from the inside, we know what happened. We know that this thing that Harry says happened really did happen. But if it comes from a source like the Quibbler, you know, in the UK, like I said, if it comes from a source like the Sun-Times here in the US, if it comes from a source like the National Enquirer or one of those those weird, like, honestly, I think the equivalent nowadays would be like one of those crazy, crazy ads at the bottom of a, a long scrolling website. Do this one thing to lower your blood pressure. Would you believe it? Rachel says, I hate Umbridge. Also says, the Quibbler's considered a joke, so nobody's going to take him seriously. Yeah, and it seems that some people are taking him seriously, but, you know, what sort of people are taking him seriously? Jade Dragon says, probably not. Hmm. I missed one from Adept Galaxy. Ron says he's not done yet. Oh, he says Ron, he's not done yet. Yeah, that was an answer uh, in the question for the last chatter break. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Galaxy's also saying, you wouldn't believe number seven. 
Liberty says, I'd be the person in the letters who said that Harry doesn't seem crazy, but they don't want to believe it, so they're conflicted. I feel like that's, I don't know, I don't know if I would write a letter. I think personally, I would read it and I would say, you know what, this, I don't know, it's it's tough. Uh, I, I think I would probably, I wouldn't write a letter, but I would probably want to go check my sources on it and, uh, you know, see if there's any corroboration on, on uh, any other site that I believe a little bit better. Um but it would be challenging. Be ch- I would have a hard time believing it. I would have a hard time because of the source. I would have a hard time believing it. All right, let's keep going. By mid-morning, enormous signs had been put up all over the school, not just on house notice boards, but in the corridors and classrooms too. By order of the High Inquisitor of Hogwarts, any student found in possession of the ma- of the magazine, the Quibbler will be expelled. The above is in accordance with Educational Decree Number 27, signed Dolores Jane Umbridge, High Inquisitor. For some reason, every time Hermione caught sight of one of these signs, she beamed with pleasure. What exactly are you so happy about? Harry asked her. Oh, Harry, don't you see? Hermione breathed. If she could have done one thing to make sure that every single person in this school will have read your interview, it was banning it. And it seemed that Hermione was quite right. By the end of the day, though Harry had not seen so much as a corner of the quibbler anywhere in the school, the whole place seemed to be quoting the interview to each other. Harry heard them whispering about it as they queued up outside classes, discussing over lunch and in the back of lessons, while Hermione even reported that every occupant of the cubicles in the girls' toilets had been talking about it when she nipped in there before ancient runes. Then they spotted me, and obviously they knew that I know you, so they bombarded me with questions. Harry told her. Hermione told Harry, her eyes shining. And Harry, I think they really believe you. I really do. I think you finally got them convinced. Meanwhile, Umbridge was stalking the school, stopping students at random and demanding they turn out their books and pockets. Harry knew she was looking for copies of the Quibbler, but the students were several steps ahead of her. The pages carrying Harry's interview had been bewitched to resemble extracts from test books. Text books, but if anyone but themselves read it, they would wipe blank automatically until they wanted to peruse it again. I just butchered that sentence so hard. Call me the... (laughs) Call me the mangler. Call me the mangler. That's what I'm doing to these words today. It's all right. Voice go wonky. The pages carrying Harry's interview had been bewitched to resemble extracts from test books. I did it again, it's fine. If anyone but themselves read it, or else wiped magically blank until they wanted to peruse it again. Still, it seemed that every single person in the school had read it. The teachers, of course, were forbidden from mentioning the interview by educational degree number 26, but they found ways to express their feelings about it all the same. Professor Sprout awarded Gryffindor 20 points when Harry passed her a watering can, a beaming Professor Flitwick passed, pressed a box of squeaking sugar mice on him at the end of Charms, saying, Shh, and hurried away. And Professor Trelawney broke into hysterical sobs during divination and announced to a startled class, and a very disapproving umbrage, that Harry was not going to suffer an early death after all, but would live to a ripe old age, become Minister for Magic, and have twelve children. But what made Harry happiest was Cho catching up with him, as she, as he was hurrying along to Transfiguration the next day. 
Before he knew what had happened, her hand was in his, and she was breathing in his ear. Really, really sorry. That interview was so brave, it made me cry. He was sorry to hear that she had shed even more tears over it, but very glad that they were on speaking terms again, and even more pleased when she gave him a soft, swift kiss on the cheek and hurried off again. And unbelievably, no sooner had he arrived outside Transfiguration than something just as good happened. Seamus stepped out of the queue to face him. I just wanted to say, he mumbled, squinting at Harry's left knee, I believe you. And I've sent a copy of that magazine to my mum. If anything more was needed to complete Harry's happiness, it was the reaction he got from Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle. He saw them with their heads together that afternoon in the library. They were with a Tweedy-looking boy. Oh, excuse me. Tweedy is a, is a word, but this one is not that. They were with a weedy-looking boy. Hermione whispered was called Theodore Knott. They looked round at Harry as he browsed the shelves for the book he needed on partial vanishment. Goyle cracked his knuckles threateningly, and Malfoy whispered something undoubtedly malevolent to Crabbe. Harry knew perfectly well why they were acting like this. He had named all of their fathers as Death Eaters. And the best bit, whispered Hermione gleefully as they left the library, is that they can't contradict you because then they would admit that they had read the article. To cap it all off, Luna told him over dinner that no issue of the Quibbler had ever sold out faster. Dad's reprinting, she told Harry, her eyes popping excitedly. He can't believe it. He says people seem even more interested in this than in Grumplehorn Snorkaks. Harry was a hero in the Gryffindor common room that night. Daringly, Fred and George had put an enlargement charm on the front of the quibbler and hung it on the wall, so Harry's head gazed down upon the proceedings, occasionally saying things like, The Ministry are morons, and Eat Dung Umbridge, in a booming voice. Hermione did not find this very amusing. She said it interfered with her concentration, and she ended up going to bed early out of irritation. Harry had to admit that the poster was not quite as funny after an hour or two, especially when the talking spell had started to wear off so that it merely shouted disconnected words like DUNG or UMBRIDGE at more and more frequent intervals in a progressively higher voice. In fact, it started to make his head ache and his scar began prickling uncomfortably again. To disappointed moans from the many people who were sitting around him, asking him to relive his interview for the umpteenth time, he announced that he too needed an early night. The dormitory was empty when he reached it. He rested his forehead for a moment against the cool glass of the window beside his bed. It felt soothing against his scar. Then he undressed and got into bed, wishing his headache would go away. He also felt slightly sick. He rolled over onto his side, closed his eyes, and fell asleep almost at once. He was standing in a dark, curtained room, lit by the single branch of candles. His hands were clenched on the back of a chair in front of him. They were long-fingered and white, as though they had not seen sunlight for years, 
and looked like large, pale spiders against the dark velvet of the chair. Beyond the chair, in a pool of light cast upon the floor by the candles, knelt a man in black robes. I have been badly advised, it seems, said Harry, in a high, cold voice that pulsed with anger. Master, I crave your pardon, croaked the man kneeling on the floor. The back of his head glimmered in the candlelight. He seemed to be trembling. I do not blame you, Rookwood, said Harry in that cold, cruel voice. He relinquished his grip on the chair and walked around it, closer to the man cowering on the floor until he stood directly over him in the darkness, looking down from a far greater height than usual. You are sure? of your facts, Rookwood? asked Terry. Yes, my lord, yes. I, I used to work in the department, after all. Avery Bode. Avery told me that Bode would be able to remove it. Bode could never have taken it, master. Bode would have known he could not. Undoubtedly, that's why he fought so hard against Malfoy's imperious curse. Stand up, Rookwood, whispered Harry. The kneeling man almost fell over in his haste to obey. His face was pockmarked. The scars were thrown into relief by the candlelight. He remained a little stooped when standing, as though halfway through a bow, and he darted terrified looks up at Harry's face. You have done well to tell me this, said Harry. Very well. I have wasted months on fruitless schemes, it seems. But no matter. We begin again. From now. You have Lord Voldemort's gratitude, Rookwood. My lord. Yes, my lord, gasped Rookwood, his voice hoarse with relief. I shall need your help. I shall need all the information you can give me. Of course, my lord, of course, anything. Very well. You may go. Send Avery to me. Rookwood scurried backward, bowing, and disappeared through a door. Shh. Left alone in the dark room, Harry turned toward the wall. A cracked, age-spotted mirror hung on the wall in the shadows. Harry moved toward it. His reflection grew larger and clearer in the darkness. A face whiter than a skull, red eyes with slits for pupils. Oh, what? yelled a voice nearby. Harry flailed around madly, became entangled in the hangings, and fell out of his bed. For a few seconds, he did not know where he was. He was convinced he was about to see the white, skull-like face looming at him from out of the darkness again. Then, very near to him, Ron's voice spoke. Will you st stop acting like a maniac so I can get you out of here? Ron wrenched the hangings apart, and Harry stared up at him in the moonlight. 
flat on his back, his scar searing with pain. Ron looked as though Harry had just been getting ready for bed. Ron looked as though he had just been getting ready for bed. One arm was out of his robes. Has someone been attacked again? said Ron, pulling Harry roughly to his feet. Is it Dad? Is it that snake? No, everyone, everyone's fine, gasped Harry, whose forehead felt as it were on fire. Well, Avery isn't... He's in trouble. He gave him the wrong information. Voldemort's really angry. Harry groaned and sank, shaking into his bed, rubbing his scar. Oh, but Rookwood is going to help him now. He's on the right track again. What are you talking about? said Ron, sounding scared. Do you mean... Did, did you just see you-know-who? I was you-know-who, said Harry, as he stretched his hand in the darkness and held them up to his face, to check that they were no longer deathly white and long-fingered. He was with Rookward. He's one of the Death Eaters who escaped from Azkaban, remember? Rookward's just told him that Bode couldn't have done it. Done what? Removed... something. He said that Bode would have known that he couldn't have done it. Bode was under the Imperious Curse. I think he said that Malfoy's dad put him on. Oh, he said that Malfoy's dad put it on him. Bode was bewitched to remove something, said Ron. But, Harry, that's got to be... The weapon, Harry finished the sentence for him. I know. The dormitory door opened. Dean and Seamus came in. Harry swung his legs back into bed. He did not want to look as though anything odd had just happened, seeing as Seamus had only just stopped thinking Harry was a nutter. Did you say, murmured Ron, putting his head close to Harry on the pretense of helping him to water from the jug on the bedside table, that you were you-know-who? Yeah, said Harry quietly. Ron took an unnecessarily large gulp of water. Harry saw it spill over his chin and onto his chest. Harry, he said, as Dean and Seamus clattered around noisily, pulling off their robes and talking. You've got to tell. I haven't got to tell anyone, said Harry shortly. I wouldn't have seen it at all if I could do occlumency. I'm supposed to have learned to shut this stuff out. That's what they want. By they, he meant Dumbledore. He got back into his bed and rolled over to his side with his back to Ron, and after a while he heard Ron's mattress creak as he too lay down in the darkness. Harry's scar began to burn. He bit hard onto his pillow to stop himself from making a noise. Somewhere, he knew, Avery was being punished. All right, chatter break. So, Harry's having these dreams. <laughs> would would you be would you feel good about wanting to end the uh you know, end the end, end these these connections with Voldemort? Would you would you want to uh would you want to learn occlumency really well? Harry's kind of resisting it right now. He knows he's supposed to, but you know, he says if 
he had learned Occlancy really well, he wouldn't have ever seen what was going on with Voldemort. Would you have listened to what you're supposed to be doing? Nate says, sometimes Mixer quality takes a second to get good. Um, and he is correct about that. Yeah, it takes a while for, for Mixer to understand sort of at what quality your system can handle. Um, also, Mixer has Sam muted when you join, so you may have to unmute him. And this is also true. Yeah, when you when you jump into Mixer, let me let me put the, the link in chat just for anybody who's curious about joining up. Um, uh, when you do join into Mixer, um, you'll definitely want to make sure to unmute me because it starts with me muted by default. Let's see. Rachel says, I mean, Harry's skill is useful, no doubt. What's Voldemort going to see other than Harry just going to his classes? Jade Dragon says, agree. He's clinging to the connection, so he has a source of info. I think this is, I think what Jade Dragon is saying is significant. Um, a source of info. Any source of info. You know what I mean? Uh, and to that exact same point, Grace, uh, Liberty says, I think Harry feels so powerless against Voldemort that he's hesitant to give up the one thing he feels has him at the moment. Uh, one thing, the one thing he feels he has on him at the moment, even if it's dangerous. And I think you are both right. I think Harry, Harry feels um, a little bit empowered by this, but I think what Jade Dragon says is interesting. A source of info. He's really in a spot right now where he feels like he is not getting that whatsoever from, uh, from from Dumbledore or from the people that he feels like he can trust and so I think he's looking at you know this source that he knows he can't trust looking at Voldemort and saying well at least it tells me something good observations here even if it is dangerous like Liberty is saying okay let's get back into it Harry and Ron waited until daybreak the next morning to tell Hermione exactly what had happened. They wanted to be absolutely sure they could not be overheard. Standing in their usual corner of the cool and breezy courtyard, Harry told her every detail of the dream that he could remember. When she had finished, she said nothing at all for a few moments, but stared with a kind of painful intensity at Fred and George who were both headless and selling their magical hats from under the cloaks at the other side of the courtyard. So that's why they killed him, she said quietly, withdrawing her gaze from Fred and George at last. When Bode tried to steal this weapon, something funny happened to him. I think there must have been defensive spells on it, or around it, to stop people from touching it. That's why he was in St. Mungo's. His brain had gone all funny and he couldn't talk. But remember what the healer told us? He was recovering, and they couldn't risk him getting better, could they? I mean, the shock of whatever happened when he touched the weapon probably made the Imperious Curse lift. Once he got his voice back, he'd explain what he would have been doing, wouldn't he? They would have known that he'd been sent to steal the weapon. Of course, it would have been easy for Lucius Malfoy to put a curse on him. Never out of the Ministry, is he? He was even hanging around there the day that I had my hearing, said Harry, and that Hang on, he said slowly. He was in the Department of Mysteries corridor that day. Your dad said that he was probably trying to sneak down and find out what happened in my hearing, but what if... Sturgis, gasped Hermione, looking thunderstruck. Sorry, said Ron, looking bewildered. Sturgis Podmore, said Hermione breathlessly, arrested for trying to get through a door. Lucius Malfoy must have got to him too. I bet he did it the day that you saw him there, Harry. Sturgis had Moody's invisibility cloak, right? So what if he was standing guard by the door, invisible, and Malfoy heard him move, or, or guessed that someone was there? 
or just did the Imperius curse on the off chance that there would be a guard. So when Sturgis next had an opportunity, probably when it was his turn to be on guard again, he tried to get into the department to steal the weapon from Vol for Voldemort. Ron, be quiet. But he got caught and sent to Azkaban. Jujubee, how you doing? She gazed at Harry. And now Rookwood has told Voldemort how to get the weapon? I didn't hear the conversation, but that is what it sounded like, said Harry. Rookwood used to work there. Maybe Voldemort will send Rookwood to do it. Hermione nodded, apparently still lost in thought. Then, quite abruptly, she said, But you shouldn't have seen this at all, Harry. What? he said, taken aback. You're supposed to be learning how to close your mind to this sort of thing, said Hermione, looking stern. I know I am, said Harry, but, well, I think we ought to just try and forget what you saw, said Hermione firmly, and you ought to put in a bit more effort on your occlumency from now on. Harry was so angry with her, he did not talk to her for the rest of the day, which proved to be another bad one. When people were not discussing the escaped Death Eaters in the corridors, they were looking at Harry, at they were looking at Gryffindor's abysmal performance in their match against Hufflepuff. The Slytherins were singing Weasley is our king so loudly and frequently that by sundown, Filch had banned it from the corridors out of sheer irritation. The week did not improve as it progressed. Harry received two more D's in potions. He was still on tender hooks that Hagrid might get the sack, and he couldn't stop himself from dwelling on the dream which he had been could not stop himself from dwelling on the dream in which he had been Voldemort. Though he didn't bring it up with Ron and Hermione again, he didn't want another telling off from Hermione. He wished very much that he could have talked to Sirius about it, but that was out of the question. So he tried to push the matter to the back of his mind. Unfortunately, the back of his mind was no longer the secure place it had once been. Get up, Potter. A couple of weeks after his dream of Rookwood, Harry was to be found, yet again, kneeling on the floor of Snape's office, trying to clear his head. He had just been forced, yet again, to relive a stream of very early memories that he had not even realized he still had, most of them concerning humiliations Dudley and his gang had inflicted upon him in primary school. That last memory, said Snape, what was it? I don't know, said Harry, getting wearily to his feet. He was finding it increasingly difficult to disentangle separate memories from the rush of images and sound that Snape kept calling forth. You mean the one where my cousin tried to make me stand on the toilet? No, said Snape softly. I mean the one with a man kneeling in the middle of a darkened room. It's nothing, said Harry. Snape's dark eyes bored into Harry's. Remembering what Snape had said about eye contact being crucial to legitimacy, Harry blinked and looked away. How did that room and that man come to be inside your head, Potter? said Snape. It, said Harry, looking anywhere but at Snape, it was just a dream that I had. A dream, repeated Snape. 
There was a pause, during which Harry stared fixedly at a large dead frog suspended in a jar of purple liquid. Do you know why you are here, Potter? said Snape, in a low, dangerous voice. You know why I am giving up my evenings to do this tedious job? Yes, said Harry stiffly. Remind me why we are here, Potter. So I can learn occlumency, said Harry, now glaring at a dead eel. Correct, Potter, and dim though you may be. Harry's. Harry looked back at Snape, hating him. I would have thought that after two months of lessons you might have made some progress. How many other dreams about the Dark Lord have you had? Just that one, lied Harry. Perhaps, said Snape, his dark, cold eyes narrowing slightly. Perhaps you actually enjoy having these visions and dreams, Potter. Maybe they feel special. They make you feel important. No, they don't, said Harry, his jaw set and his fingers clenched tightly around the handle of his wand. That's just as well, Potter, said Snape coldly. "'Cause you are neither special nor important, and it is not up to you to find out what the Dark Lord is saying to his Death Eaters.' "'No, that's your job, isn't it?' Harry shot at him. He had not meant to say it. It had been a burst of—it had burst out of him in temper. For a long moment, they stared at each other. Harry convinced he had gone too far. But there was a curious, almost— satisfied expression on Snape's face when he answered. Yes, Potter, he said, his eyes glinting. That's my job. Now, if you are ready, we shall start again. He raised his wand. One, two, three, legilimens. A hundred Dementors were swooping toward Harry across the grounds. He screwed up his face in concentration. They were coming closer. He could see the dark holes beneath their hoods. Yet he could also see Snape standing before him, his eyes fixed on Harry's face, muttering under his breath. And somehow, Snape was growing clearer, and the Dementors were getting fainter. Harry raised his own wand. Protego! Snape staggered. His wand flew upward, away from Harry. And suddenly... Harry's mind was teeming with memories that were not his. A hook-nosed man was shouting at a cowering woman, while a small, dark-haired boy cried in a corner. A greasy-haired teenager stood alone in a dark bedroom, pointing his wand at the ceiling, shooting down flies. A girl was laughing as a scrawny boy tried to mount a bucking broomstick. Enough! Harry felt as though he had been pushed hard in the chest. He staggered several steps backward, hit some of the shelves covering Snape's walls, and heard something crack. Snape was shaking slightly, and was very white in the face. The back of Harry's robes were damp. One of the jars behind him had broken when he fell against it. The pickled, slimy thing was within, was swirling within its draining potion. Reparo, hissed Snape, and the jar sealed itself at once. Well, Potter, that certainly was an improvement. 
Panting slightly, Snape straightened the pensive in which he had again stored some of his thoughts before starting the lesson, almost as though checking that they were still there. I don't remember telling you to use a shield charm, but there is no doubt it was effective. Harry did not speak. He felt that to say anything might be dangerous. He was sure he had just broken into Snape's memories, that he had seen scenes from Snape's childhood. It was unnerving to think that the little boy who had been crying as he watched his parents shouting was actually standing in front of him with such loathing in his eyes. Let's try again, shall we? said Snape. Harry felt a thrill of dread. He was about to pay for what had just happened. He was sure of it. They moved back into position with the desk between them, Harry feeling he was about to find it much harder to empty his mind this time. On the count of three, then, said Snape, raising his wand once more. One, two... Harry did not have time to gather himself together and attempt to clear his mind before Snape cried, Legilimens! He was hurtling along the corridor toward the Department of Mysteries, past the blank stone walls, past the torches. The blank, black door was growing ever nearer. He was moving so fast he was going to collide with it. He was feet from it, and again he could see that chink of faint blue light. The door had flown open. He was through at last, inside a black-walled, black-floored circular room lit with blue-flamed candles, and there were more doors all around him. He needed to go on. But which door ought he take? Potter! Harry opened his eyes. He was flat on his back again with no memory of having gotten there. He was also panting as though he had really run the length of the Department of Mysteries corridor. Really had sprinted through the black door and found the circular room. Explain yourself, said Snape, who was standing over him looking furious. I don't know what happened, said Harry truthfully, standing up. There was a lump on the back of his head from where he had hit the ground, and he felt feverish. I've never seen that before. I mean, I told you I've dreamed about the door, but it's never opened before. You are not working hard enough. For some reason, Snape seemed even angrier than he had done two minutes before, when Harry had read his teacher's memories. You are lazy and sloppy, Potter. It is a small wonder that the Dark Lord... Can you tell me something, sir? said Harry, firing up again. Why do you call Voldemort the Dark Lord? I've only ever heard Death Eaters call him that. Snape opened his mouth in a snarl. And a woman screamed from somewhere outside the room. Snape's head jerked upward. He was gazing at the ceiling. What the... he muttered. Harry could hear a muffled commotion coming from what he thought might be the entrance hall. Snape looked around him, frowning. Did you see anything unusual on your way down here, Potter? Harry shook his head. Somewhere above them, the woman screamed again. Snape strode to his office door, his wand held at the ready, and swept out of sight. Harry hesitated for a moment and then followed. The screams were indeed coming from the entrance hall. They grew louder as Harry ran toward the stone steps leading up from the dungeons. When he reached the top, he found the entrance hall the entrance hall was packed. Students had come flooding out of the great hall, where dinner was still in progress, to see what was going on. Others had crammed themselves into the marble staircase. 
Perry pushed forward through a small knot of tall Slytherins and found that the onlookers had formed a great ring. Some of them looked shocked, others even frightened. Professor McGonagall was standing opposite Harry on the other side of the hall. She looked as though what she was watching made her feel faintly sick. Professor Trelawney was standing in the middle of the entrance hall with her wand in one hand and an empty sherry bottle in the other, looking utterly mad. Her hair was sticking up on end. Her glasses were lopsided so that one eye was magnified more than the other. Her innumerable shawls and scarves were trailing haphazardly from her shoulders, giving the impression that she was falling apart at the seams. Two large trunks lay on the floor beside her, one of them upside down. It looked very much as though she had been thrown... It looked very much as though it had been thrown down the stairs after her. Professor Trelawney was staring, apparently terrified, at something that Harry could not see, but which seemed to be standing at the foot of the stairs. No! She shrieked. No, this, this can't be happening. It cannot. I refuse to accept it. You didn't realize this was coming, said a high, girlish voice, standing callously amused, sounding callously amused, and Harry, moving slightly to his left, saw that Trelawney's terrifying vision was none other than Professor Umbridge. Incapable though you are of predicting even tomorrow's weather, you must surely have realized that your pitiful performance during my inspections and lack of any improvement would have made it inevitable that you would be sacked. You, you can't, howled Professor Trelawney, tears streaming down from her face from behind her enormous lenses. You, you can't sack me. I've been, I've been here sixteen years. Hogwarts is my home. It was your home, said Professor Umbridge, and Harry was revolted to see the enjoyment stretching her toad-like face as she watched Professor Trelawney sink sobbing uncontrollably, onto one of her trunks. Until an hour ago, when the Ministry of Magic countersigned your order of dismissal, now kindly remove yourself from the hall. You are embarrassing us. But she stood and watched, with an expression of gloating enjoyment as Professor Trelawney shuddered and moaned, rocking backward and forward on her trunk in paroxysms of grief. Harry heard a muffled sob to his left and looked around. Lavender and Parvati were both crying quietly, their arms round each other. When he heard footsteps, Professor McGonagall was breaking away from the spectators, marching straight up to Professor Trelawney and was patting her firmly on the back while withdrawing a large handkerchief from within her robes. Oh boy, let's see what McGonagall sounds like today. There, there, Sybil, calm down. Blow your nose on this. It is not as bad as you think. The answer is awful. You're not going to leave Hogwarts. Oh, really, Professor McConagall, said Umbridge in a deadly voice, taking a few steps forward. And your authority for that statement is? That would be mine, said a deep voice. The oaken front doors swung open. Students beside them scuttled out of the way as fast as Dumbledore appeared in the entrance. What he had been doing out in the grounds, Harry could not imagine, but there was something impressive about the sight of him framed in the doorway against an oddly misty night. 
Leaving the doors wide open behind him, he strode forward through the circle of onlookers toward Professor Trelawney, tear-stained and trembling, on her trunk, Professor McGonagall alongside her. <laughs> Yours, Professor Dumbledore, <laughs> said Umbridge with a singularly unpleasant little laugh. I'm afraid you do not understand the position I have here. She pulled a parchment scroll from within her robes. This is an order for dismissal signed by myself and the Minister for Magic. Under terms of the Educational Decree Number 23, the High Inquisitor of Hogwarts has the power to inspect, place upon probation, and sack any teacher that she, that is to say I, feel is not performing to the standards required by the Ministry of Magic. I have decided that Professor Trelawney is not up to scratch. I have dismissed her. To Harry's very great surprise, Dumbledore continued to smile. He looked down at Professor Trelawney, who was still sobbing and choking on her trunk. Then, You're quite right, of course, Professor Umbridge. As High Inquisitor, you have every right to dismiss my teachers. You do not, however, have the authority to send them away from the castle. I'm afraid, he went on with a courteous little bow, that the power to do that still resides with the headmaster, and it is my wish that Professor Trelawney continue to live at Hogwarts. At this, Professor Trelawney gave a wild little laugh, in which a hiccup was barely hidden. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll go, Dumbledore. I shall, I shall leave Hogwarts and seek my fortune elsewhere. No said Dumbledore sharply. It is my wish that you remain, Sybil. He turned to Professor McGonagall. Might I ask you to escort Sybil back upstairs, Professor McGonagall? Of course, said McGonagall. Up you get, Sybil. Professor Sprout came hurrying out of the crowd and grabbed Professor Trelawney's other arm. Together, they guided her past Umbridge and up the marble stairs. Professor Flitwick went scurrying after them, his wand held out before him, squeaking, Locomotor, locomotor trunks! And Professor Trelawney's luggage rose into the air and proceeded up the staircase after her, Professor Flitwick bringing up the rear. Professor Umbridge was standing stock still, staring at Dumbledore, who continued to smile benignly. And what she said in a whisper that carried all throughout the entrance hall. Are you going to do with her once I appoint a new divination teacher who needs her lodgings? Oh, that won't be a problem, said Dumbledore pleasantly. You see, I've already found us a new divination teacher, and he will prefer lodgings on the ground floor. You have found, said Umbridge shrilly, you have found, might I remind you, Dumbledore, that under educational decree number 22, the Ministry has the right to appoint a suitable candidate if, and only if, the Headmaster is unable to find one, said Dumbledore, and I am happy to say that on this occasion I have succeeded. May I introduce you? He turned to face the open front doors, through which the night mist was now drifting. Harry heard hooves. There was a shocked murmur around the hall, and those nearest the doors hastily moved even further backward, some of them tripping in haste to clear the path for the newcomer. 
Through the mist came a face that Harry had seen once before, on a dark, dangerous night in the Forbidden Forest. White blonde hair and astonishingly blue eyes. The head and torso of a man joined to the palomino body of a horse. This is Forenze, said Dumbledore happily to a thunderstruck umbrage. I think you'll find him suitable. And that is the end of the chapter. Coop, you got here just in time, bud. <laughs> Here we go. Let me drop the uh, the the mixer link again in chat uh, on Discord, just so y'all know. Um, for the next two weeks, this is where you can find the uh, the stream that happened tonight. Um, it's uh... oh, Rachel did something two weeks ago. Let's see. Coop says, "Hey everyone, hope life is good. I hope yours is as well." Silly me, but without the new YouTube noob tube YouTube notification. Unless Sam has a mumble mouth, which he does. I just get caught up in life. Need to set an alarm somewhere. Yes. Uh, Tawny, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. I'm going to have to go fetch my lovely assistant. Let's go back to the library, shall we? Let's see. Let's go back to the library because, yes, we do need to do beans. We've got the beans tonight. Don't worry. We're doing beans. Jujubee says, good, because I need to look at this one. Okay. Um, you all may be excited to find we've got new beans this week. So, difficulty rating has gone back up. And my uh, my satisfaction with it has gone back down. I know Michaela's going to be here for beans. All right. Let me go fetch my lovely assistant. I will be back in a moment. Um, I th I'm pretty sure that's a full gas mask that you need for protection from Wuhan. All right, y'all. So, today, we have new beans. Them's some stinky beans. Switch for the beans, boof moment. Welcome to Mixer. Okay, so we've mixed it into the, the last, sorry, this is all great, great mic things happening right now. We have combined them with the, the the last remainders of our our old beans but uh as you can see ooh, we got new stuff look at it look at all those colorful beans so do we want to well hold on do we want them to know or should we have it be a mystery for them too you know what i'm gonna i'm making the executive decision it's a mystery for you too of course you'll know as she starts to uh you can show them the bean but yeah don't show them the the, the cheat sheet okay so cassidy is going to be the bean czar they're a little stinky. Um, they are a 50-50 mix of good ones and bad ones, and uh, you can smell the bad ones pretty well. Uh, the bad ones are uh, pungent. Don't put it right in my nose. Why would you do this? Okay, let's see. All right, I'll smell it. Oh, it's rough. It's a terrible, terrible combination of like some real bad foot and uh, and like a really great vanilla cupcake. Which is like you don't want those things together. I, I'm I'm more worried it's gonna ruin cupcakes than improve stinky feet. Okay, hold on a sec. See, do I have a better one in here? No, I'll use this one. Hmm? 
I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up. We got new beans. New beans, new blindfold. You know the saying. That's what the saying is. New beans, new blindfold. Okay. Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to be a... I'm going to be a... Oh, this is... I can see with your glasses. I can, I can see if you put it, like, right underneath my nose. Guess what? That's where your mouth is. <laughs> True. Okay. Here. I'll just pull the little flaps down. See? Put them into your glasses. See? It's perfect. There we go. All right. I am ready. I, I, I can't see anything. What are you doing? I can see... Let's see. I can see... If you put it over here, I'll be able to see it. So don't put it over here, okay? Ah, all right. Our first tasting of the, uh, of the, it's staying there. I'm a pirate today. First tasting. It's sweet on the outside. I'm hoping that's a good sign, but I don't know how these new beans work. Okay. Okay. First, tell me good or bad. It's dev It's a good one. Okay. It's not good. Oh. Like I wouldn't have many of these, but it's it's supposed to be a good bean. Um, it's got like a really saccharine, vanilla-y thing. I'm gonna go with the what is it? Birthday cake. Yeah, we did it. Yes. We've never even tried these before. I'm at one for one. You shouldn't have showed me the back of it. <laughs> All right. Now we've still got some lurkers. We've got some lurking um, yeah. uh, soda beans in there. There's also a pepper one in there somewhere. I just look like a. I just look like a. Me? No, like a, like an inmate out in the yard. It's my sweet. No, that's that's too see through. That's there we go. Okay. I'm ready for my second bean. The great bean inning. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> this one, I can't tell. <laughs> Coop. <laughs> Coop will not fail to make me laugh. Athlete's foot cake. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's supposed to be a good one, but it's. Again, like too sweet. Um, it was powerful. There was like it, it was. It almost reminded me of the carbonation effects that they try to do with the the soda beans. Um, it's not one of the soda beans though. Hmm. It was like incredibly powerful licorice or something. It was too powerful to be licorice. Um, can I look at the cheat sheet? Yeah. No. I'm trying. I'm trying not to look at chat either. Um. Don't look at chat. Is it up there? Okay. Um, oh, boy. I, I don't know. I got to go with... What colors am I seeing here? It felt it felt like it was red. Here's the thing. It felt like a red-colored bean. <laughs> it felt like a red-colored bean, but I don't see any like red, red ones in here. I see orangey ones. What are the orangey ones? Um, I don't know. It'll be like... It, it, it came with a pretty big, like, acidic shock at the front. So I'm going to guess orange, even though it didn't really taste like an orange. Nope. Strawberry banana smoothie. Strawberry banana smoothie? Mm -hmm. 
Homie, that is wild. No, I've had a strawberry banana smoothie. That ain't it. I guess, okay, I see what... Was it peach? I don't know. Isn't peach supposed to be pretty mild? I'm pretty sure it was strawberry banana smoothie. Okay, I can, I can, I can see it being strawberry banana. Strawberry banana. I'm guessing these are the peach ones, and I'm guessing these are like strawberry banana. I think these are the peach ones. The ones with the brighter red. Oh, why do they have spots on them? That's wonky. Yo, yo, beam me, I say. <laughs> um, oh, careful, careful. I realize there's a. Uh, I realize we're we're circling the drain around something there. Um, curse those ambiguous beans. Look, Kindred. Welcome. Are you uh are you from from the Discord or are you are you a newbie here? Either way, welcome. Good glad to have you here. Okay. Let's do it. Another bean. You want A or B? A or B? Um I'm going to do that sweet sweet B. <laughs> okay. Let's do that sweet sweet B. Okay. I'm ready for my next one. Oh, I can't see. Oh. Hold on. Um here, let's just move this out for right now. All right, for anyone who doesn't know, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and right now we're doing beans as a as a reward for for subs showing up. Um, so this is my beans challenge. Oh no 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 no! Oh yes 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 yes. Oh. Oh man, it's definitely vomit. No. It's it's rotten bad something like rotten egg. Rotten egg. <laughs> oh, it's really bad. Oh, I know the good ones are really sweet. The bad ones are gonna be three times. Oh, worse. oh, I hate it. Oh, oh boy, I'm almost out of water too. <laughs> I'm gonna need more water. I'm not gonna be able to do this. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, that is so bad. Okay, I can do that. Okay, my, my lovely assistant. She's got a project she's working on, so I'm going to need to riff for a bit. But, oof. Big, big oof. <laughs> it's freaking Nathan. Who's this? Who's it's freaking Nathan? And uh, to all you uh, <laughs> to all you little house elves lurking in chat but uh, haven't said anything else, that is totally fine. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Oh, man. And uh, chronically exhausted. Hey, welcome. <laughs> this is probably pretty wild for anybody who. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 fairly confident, assuming that a lot of y'all are from from uh, the Discord already. Uh, but if you're new here, welcome. I know this is wild. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Uh, I like stories, and I I'm reading Harry Potter on Thursdays. So join me again next week. Um, but uh, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna find notifications on that, you can find it in the mixer description down below the stream uh for anyone who does know what's going on um i just got a rotten egg bean because y'all have done a good job and you know what even even with the youtube being all wonky like it has been uh i'm still getting i'm like i'm still having people sub so uh, it's fantastic but um i have become the bean sam yeah rachel they are torture and coop says someone hose out his esophagus all right we're 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 against the we're against the 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 clock here. Let's 
This is awful. What's going on here with my stupid face? Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. My my sweet well, mustache. Um. Oh, it's another strong one. Oh, good. Oh, it's a bad one. It's a bad one. Oh, okay. Let me find you the flavors on this one. Because there's like a burnt wood flavor. There's like a smoke flavor in it. Okay. It tastes like smoke, but it tastes like if you, if it tastes like a, it tastes like, here's what it tastes like. I'm going to stutter a million more times. Okay. There's a little bit of rotten egg in there. It's everything. It's everything. Ooh, is it the, is it the kitchen sink one? No. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I mean, is it vomit? No. No? I'm not getting it, whatever it is, but there's like, I'm picking up rotten egg. I'm picking up um, sweetness, like, like the banana strawberry stuff. And then I'm picking up some weird smoke flavor. It's a stink bug. Yeah. Not a chance I would have gotten that. Not any chance at all. Oh, rough. That was three. Oh, man. Mirden, um, yes, indeed, we are back um, next Tuesday. I'm, I like, I'm, I'm doing the. Uh, the Vintage Sidecar on Mixer and uh, Discord as usual. I didn't do it this week just because my voice was nothing. I've got a voice now, finally, but uh, Nate, thank you very much. Uh, and it's freaking Nathan. So I've got I've got a moderator, Nate slash Tuna Sunday, but I've also got it's freaking Nathan. Um, and it's freaking Nathan, welcome from the Harry Potter videos. All right, you know what? Heck with it. I'm not taking a drink. Rapid fire. Let's do it. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> This was five? I think that's I think that's right. Okay. I think this is supposed to be a good one. I'm getting some pretty Hmm. It's like um it's like bubblegum. Is bubblegum one? No, bubblegum is not. Hmm. Hold on. Let's see. I I mean it's like it's it's bubblegum, but it's like that uh it's the bubblegum you you it's the bubblegum toothpaste you ask for at the dentist when you're six. Is that a thing everywhere? Yeah. Okay, good. The rise of the beating. Um I'm your babushka today. I'm your With my hair, I think I look beautiful. You do. I don't know. Um like a little bit of mint to it, I guess. It's pretty mild. Maybe this one is peach. Is this one peach? Hmm. I truly don't know. I don't. I'm it's gonna. The like zebra striped gum. Remember the flavors on that? Zebra striped gum. Yeah. Mm, I thought it was like black licorice, and I think I've tried zebra striped gum one time, maybe. And you tried the black licorice kind? Was wrong. I don't know. I don't know what I got. I don't know what it was. It was when I was. I was probably eight years old. Rachel Oh, my lovely assistant says Rachel knows what she's talking about. Tusi frutzi. Okay, thank you. I love you. Um, it looks like Tutti Frutti is the one. Between you and me, between me and the 12 people on Mixer and the, mm, looks like maybe a dozen people in Discord, I don't know what Tutti Frutti tastes like. I don't think I've ever had Tutti Frutti before. What is that? What is that supposed to taste like? 
what is what is that? I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, tell you what. Today's beaning went well. We've got some new flavors up in the mix. Buy them by the pound at Winco. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. Tutti Frutti. I went out. I, I can't say I went out on like a great note, but that's perfectly all right. Um, let's see. So you're right. It means all the fruits. Oh, snap. Seriously? Yes. I'm the winner even when I'm not the winner. Bazooka Joe. <laughs> um, I was guessing all the fruits. Come on, get with it. Get with it. Get on that hype train. By the way, I found uh, in in Mixer, I found my my new favorite and my new favorite sticker. And until we have a, uh, until I've, I'm like partnered or, or what have you, and I can actually put up custom stickers and everything, which I'm very excited about. Um, our chat mascot is going to be the is pirate paper. <laughs> so if you jump into Mixer, you can see the uh, the stickers and stuff you can put in. But uh, pirate paper is going to be our mascot. Yep, there it is, tuna. <laughs> Pirate paper, the swash, the swash, swashbuckling. I don't know. Oh boy, Nathan's got Nathan's got a lot to spend on those stickers. Tutti Frutti. Okay, here's the thing. Um, there's a late night talk show host uh, who used to do. I think it was the late late show. Um, Craig Ferguson, and he used to as as like a censorship thing. Um, when he sweared, when he when he sweared, swore, they would. Um, they would censor him with instead of just a beep, he would it was just a recording of him going tutti frutti um but tutti frutti there we go all of the fruit uh, italian i suppose it sounds italian the night of the living bean says jade dragon craigie ferg yeah i love craig ferguson um he had he <laughs> His, his the whole sort of shtick of the show was that it was like a a real mess of a late night talk show and i really enjoyed it um without going so far as to be like uh andre what's his name oh what's that fool's name i keep wanting to say andre 3000 but if andre 3000 had a talk show i'm pretty sure there would be no other talk shows there would only be the 3000 hour with andre <laughs> eric andre thank you <laughs> All right. So, who wants to do <laughs> wants to do a great illustration for me of the Andre Three Thousand <laughs> late night talk show? <laughs> oh man, the beans! I, I like that. I like that big B emoji. Emoji. Craig Ferg, Italian. Yep. Coop says I miss Secretariat. I do too. I think we all miss Secretariat. Mostly though, I miss uh, Jeff the robot. I miss Jeff the robot an awful lot. Um, he was played by uh, the robot skeleton. Excuse me. Excuse me. Jeff the robot skeleton. Um, initially, he was just a soundboard because, you know, like all the talk shows, they have um, like this assistant who sort of can like feed jokes in off the side or set jokes up for the, the host. Um, as somebody who does this, what I'm doing right now, it's actually 
it makes me sort of realize very quickly how great it is to have somebody else who can take a little bit of the pressure off there okay so this isn't even a light i don't know what's why it's blinking it's just my green screen like there's no light through there to be blinking it's just a reflection that is blinking on and off because my green screen's freaking out but circling back um you guys might notice there excuse me y'all might notice uh you wonderful people that uh a lot of talk show hosts have like sidekicks it's sort of a person off to the side they don't seem often like they're playing a super important role but as the person sort of in the hot seat like conan or what have you it's really nice to have somebody else to sort of work with which is why for me it's great to have nate here and it's great to have cass here <laughs> but um had this sidekick jeff the robot skeleton um played by Josh Robert Thompson. And honestly, Josh Robert Thompson was a little bit of an inspiration for me to just sort of recognize like how how diverse the opportunities are in voice acting and, and what kind of odd, interesting stuff you can do. And it was part of the reason I said like, why not take this and do it live? Why not try it out? Coop says, didn't he get his body made by the Science Channel guys that tested stuff and blew it up? I do not know. It definitely looked like it. It was just a sort of a weird metallic robot skeleton. And Michaela to nag me about beans. Yep. Michaela, Michaela is that, that, uh, Michaela is our secretariat. Actually, no. Who's, who's Michaela in this? But, uh, yeah, the one, the one who shows up to talk about beans shows up at exactly bean o'clock. And does cool stuff like this. Check this out. This is a Michaela joint right here. Check it out. I'm pretty sure this is in proper orientation for y'all. But boom, you see that? You see that? That's Ma that's McQuaquay's doing. That's uh, McQuaquay in. Um, she's in Discord occasionally, but she's in Mixer right now. Jelly. Here for the beans. Give me the, give me the, give me the beans. Um. And uh, Liberty, I am indeed uh, working on the old videos. As a matter of fact, um, for everyone who's sort of like just jumping in now, even though uh, we're done with the chapters for tonight, I want to let you all know I'm going to make my second announcement for the night. Um, the videos are going to be back on YouTube. They're going back up. We are we're bringing the videos back onto YouTube, and um, they're going to be all the old ones are going to be up tonight. Um, we will see, we're going to work with YouTube and see, you know, what, what they'll let us do. But for right now, they're going to be back up. Um, and, uh, then as of, uh, two weeks from now, <clears throat> the, the more recent videos are going to start to be up. So, uh, on a two week delay, you can find any of those videos over on YouTube. You can find those, um, the, the YouTube channel description. It's just, it's sidecar stories on YouTube, but you can find the link, uh, down below in Mixer and on the sidebars in Discord. Um, but uh, Harry Potter is not dead. YouTube is not dead. Sidecar Stories YouTube is not dead. Um, so we're going to continue there. And um, I'm going to continue to upload these videos on a two-week delay up onto YouTube. But during that two weeks, definitely go and check out Mixer. I'm really excited to be doing Mixer things. And I'm excited to be continuing to read for you all. Thank you all so much for hanging out today. And uh, I will see you on the next stream. I think that's going to be it for me tonight. Um, if you want to hang out, uh, I'm going to be in the Discord for a while. Uh, let me put the link in the uh, the Mixer chat for a while. But uh, um, let's see. There it is.
Uh, so, Mixer, that is the Discord link. You can go there and hang out, because, as I say every week, as sad as it is, I do have to shut down the stream at some point in the night. I'm really happy to have been doing this with you all. Thank you so, so, so much for hanging out with me, um, not just tonight, but for hanging out with me and for hanging in there with me, in and out, both of them. Thank you for, you know, when when uh, the road got bumpy with this janky old sidecar, um, a lot of you were like, well, hold on tight. Let's see where it goes. So I really appreciate everyone who 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 stuck with me and for the people like Cass and Nate and Michaela, who really gave me a lot of energy to continue doing this, and all the people in Discord, you know, faces I see a lot, uh, Coop and uh, Jade Dragon, and I'm I'm trying to remember everyone who's here, even the ones who aren't here tonight. Um, but uh, Reed, Lit Addict, um, Coop, Briar, I've been seeing you a lot around recently. Fantastic, um, uh, Tawny, and uh, you know, people like like uh, Luke S, who have been helping me out a lot, and uh, Michelle in chat, Jujubee, and Jenks, Jenks, Jenks. Hey, you got your name changed around. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much. Uh, this this brings a lot of energy to my week and to my life, really, and uh, I enjoy it a lot, even when my voice sounds like. I huffed some exhaust from this janky, janky sidecar. So thank you all so much. Um, I will see you next stream. And if you want to find this one, check it out on Mixer. Adios, everybody. Good night.